would like to segue now into yes world building 101 you've made a whole community around it it's an incredible community to be a part of as someone who's also in that discord thank you for putting that together and yeah let's just throw it back to all of y'all what is your process for world building tell me about just the first thing that comes to mind when someone says world building almost as a thought experiment where do you begin and i know we all have our homebrew worlds that we've had some of us for years so what's your process what are your thoughts what are your burning uh, burning things that you want to talk about with regards to world building i I only built the one world i want you guys to go first so (laughs) yes i've only built the one world but uh, i've been developing it for about eight years so it's put all of that that care and attention into it um, I know that when I started it, I focused largely on geography. I sort of, sort of focused on a singular supercontinent, then many, 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 many different island chains and the societies that sort of would evolve around that naturally. Like a very large, a somewhat oppressive colonial force in the continent that colonized all those islands. Those islands fought for independence, but there's still neo-colonialist ties sort of putting their control over it, and that oppressive government was then overthrown during the first campaign that I ran in the setting. Then I looked at the world and realized there's not enough geography here, so I decided that the magic returning to the world caused um, subcontinent-sized landmasses to rise safely from the ocean. Uh, I suppose the effort was for me that I just of the geography into relevant cultures, into how that would sort of formulate around it, but Again, I've, I would really struggle to try and build something new. I'm so very invested in what I've created, and I'm confident that if anyone asked me any sort of question about my setting, I would have a relatively competent answer and then would be able to go back, write something for 30 minutes, and then fill in any gaps, which is probably a problem on my part, but I'm willing to look past it because I love my setting so much. I also started with geography. Like The first thing I did was... About 15 years ago, I took the the ideas that I had had in my head since I was 11 or so and kind of just scribbled them all down. And I was like, what is, what does this world look like? Like, I have all these ideas in my head, but the only way for me, I don't know if it's ADHD, but the only way for me to actually visualize that and put it into a manageable campaign and do the lore is to actually draw the map first. So... I took the time to draw this on two different uh, pages to draw all of the different continents. And I'm not an artist, I'm not a map maker. So it's a lot of very low quality scribbles. But I took that and when I really sat down to do the world, I put it all from these two sheets of paper into Incarnate, which is a fantastic map making tool. Mm-hmm. They do not sponsor us, but if they, if they want to, hey, here we are. <laughs> but it is absolutely incredible tool i pay for the premium version and i was able to it's worth it yeah i was able to create to go from these scribbles to the world and the lore kind of almost writes itself in a way and having that visual will also help sort of iron out any irregularities or inconsistencies in your world building because it's like you can have a visual reference and then i also went from incarnate to world anvil and then did the timeline so i went from rough sketch to a full map 
to a timeline. And after I had those two things, after I had the official map and the timeline, everything else sort of began to fill itself in around that. I also made the factions right around the same time because that was something that I was able to kind of do simultaneously. But with those three things, everything else for me was able to completely blossom from those three things and from small town demographics, populations, the intricacies of how the politics of the world works. It all comes from having the map, having the timeline, and having the factions. And it's just, you just add layers and layers and layers to those three things. So that would be my personal advice to anyone world building. But again, that's just my process. Everyone has a process that works best for them. But as someone with ADHD who's very task oriented for me, I had to do map, timeline, factions, and then layer, 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 layer. That's certainly how I did it way back when. Mm -hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. So like for me, all of my world building kind of started off in written RPGs. So, you know, someone putting together a setting, putting together, like you said, a map, some factions, a timeline, whatever, and then just building from there. And it was always like this checklist of things we wanted, wanted to have. When it came to actually finally starting my own, though, I started at a very different like conceptual style phase like my first instinct if if it's not like some random dream i had or some random like shower thought of like that would look really cool mm -hmm. and then going from there i usually go to like spotify and i start a playlist like this is the vibe of my adventuring party or this is the vibe of you know the main city that they're in um um and and on the visual aspect of that, starting with Pinterest and doing like a location board or a character mood board or something like that, where like, obviously you have to be careful because a lot of that artwork isn't properly attributed. So it's not like you can actually share it, but it's good for just a visual inspiration and kind of starting off and, and getting the feel of things. If you're feeling intimidated by actually like sitting down and beginning the process of writing or map making or any of that, like it's like you said, Aaron, it's Essie, it's just that like scribbling aspect of it, right? Like just brain dump into some fashion that works for you and whatever medium that might be, um, is just a way to get the gears going and and start the the process. Cause once you get going, it's kind of hard to stop. It's kind mm -hmm. of hard to be like, okay, I gotta stop thinking about this world because after that it just takes over your life and that's all you want to think about. Yeah, and I too have a Pinterest board for D D, which also gives me a lot of ideas. And every time, whether I'm doing the map or the factions or the mm -hmm. timeline or the layers, I always have Spotify going with. Now, I, and what's interesting is that you're right with Pinterest. A lot of it is you got to be careful with some of the art, but with Spotify, I can share it as well. There is a whole community out there of royalty free artists who wish to provide and Folkard uh, is one of them. Yeah. provide um, music for D D campaigns or at least i think uh i think your stuff is is open source yeah for your music you can just take it play it thank you stuff for that we're grateful I, I didn't i didn't want to i didn't want to imply or assume but no, i think no, for it's, the time it's, being, it really it's, is okay. yeah but there, there is an incredible community out there of, of artists who produce this music for D&D &D that we can use to 
inspire us to inspire our worlds and to to play at our tables and music is such a big part of just being a human that of course it would be part of world building this must I be a very universal it must be a very universal thing to collate things with music and with uh pinterests as well yeah i use it I a lot they... yeah oh go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I don't think I can. I just, I, 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 I wanted to say that I, I don't think I can uh, make a valuable input into this, because as I said, I, uh, I don't have any like too much of experience, experience world building, but uh, I was just gonna say that, um, as you've said, everybody has their own process, and to me, I wouldn't start with a map. Like to me, geography is is boring, <laughs> uh, and I, uh, as I told you earlier, when I was creating my first world, mm -hmm. I think I started with geography, and it, I think that's that's because it turned out bland. Because I'm bad at this, so I'm I'm just kind of uh, to me, it's like uh, putting yourself into a frame. Like oh okay so this be like the paint the drawing stuff before you actually understand how big you want this kingdom to be maybe you want a huge magical scar on the land but you never thought of it uh, before so n now uh, what I do is uh, I start with like an image uh, I, I play Magic the Gathering. And it has tons of just crazy, beautiful artwork. And it always inspires me. Um, and again, as I said, something uh, like of cosmic uh, proportions, you know. Uh, I really like uh, to, to like think of a picture like, you know, a uh, huge like graveyard of giants or something. Uh, just some ancient battle and then this is the battlefield and uh, like dragons versus giants or something. And now they're, some of them turned into mountains or something. And, uh, and I think of something like that. Uh, and, then I, and then I think of some other place that I'd like to see uh, some huge flying city. I like flying floating islands. This is like a cliche thing, but I love it. Uh, yeah. Same. I, I always, every time I make a map, Regardless of where it is, I always stop for a second and say, "You know what would be really cool? A couple of floating Floating islands. islands, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Hallelujah, mountains. Uh, there's something very universal about them, and it's just like yeah. just want to think of what sort of societies would live all the way up there. But it's, I suppose, like to sort of build on what uh, Yuki was saying, it's important to world build for the game you're about to run. There's no mm. point building like grand sweeping kingdoms if you're doing a political werewolf style thing in a couple of villages. Yeah, able absolutely. to know, able to know where you're playing and what sort of story you want to tell is essential for the world you want to build. Obviously, if you have the time and the mental mental brain space to put together this like sweeping vast kingdoms and continents, that will be helpful in the long run. But if you want to just like sort of focus on a set of characters in a situation fill the space because you can build a world inside a dungeon you can sure. make some spidering caverns underground somewhere and then it'll build itself as you go up to it i remember se when we had our conversation on my show 
we talked about procedurally generated sort of things like in games sometimes if your game master is strong enough to be able to do that then as long as you write it down later you've built the world within the confines of the session so yeah there's never any real pressure to have this like grand sweeping thousands of years of history great vistas and um, the New Zealand tourism board approved shots of your party walking across mountains you can have as big as little as you can be and that will still be a world in as far as whatever story you want to tell in your game that is a great filming of the Lord of the Rings reference there by the way what are you talking about? Those movies were a nine-hour tourism <laughs> commercial for visiting New Zealand. Worked on, it worked on me. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, because yeah, I, I totally think... dig mm-hmm. the uh, the idea of like thinking of a gameplay uh first and that's kind of uh, the thing for me like i think of an image and I, I i i see like what i want my players to do for instance i was running this game in Baldur's gate it was supposed to be an intro to Baldur's gate descent into avernus but it turned into a separate campaign and we just wrapped it up and that's it we never got into the actual uh, module and by the way it was one of the best campaigns uh, i ever did uh that's wild because we did the exact same thing. We ran, <laughs> we, we ran the Baldur's Gate adventure, and we had supplements, but we never right. did anything else. We never went to Avernus. Avernus has problems. That whole book has issues. Yeah. Motivation the, the issues. Is, everything. Um. Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, the book offers like a variant, uh, background and a dark secret for the party. So we created this dark yes. secret and I thought, huh, we should, you know, resolve it somehow. And th- that's that's it. Like the entire adventure re- like revolved around that. The players uh, murdered a, a guy and there was this detective who turned out to be super uh, powerful and whatever. But yeah, I, was not, I wasn't talking about that. Uh, again, I had this image in my mind uh, and again, I I rip off stuff from from media. I don't care. My players love it. Uh, so so I every I thought, storyteller does. Yep. yep. Yeah. No, but I'm I'm just blatantly. Uh... <laughs> every player does. Sometimes yep. they can dress it up, and but the whole deal is to own it. There's nothing wrong with being inspired. Yeah. So I I really I wanted. I had this uh, undead elf. Uh, who was one of the crew members of my... My party was a Pirates, and one of my players was a Captain, and they had the crew. Uh, I used Ghost of the Salt Marsh... Ghost of, Ghosts of Salt Marsh uh, book uh, for uh, to create, like, a ship and the crew. And I just came up, oh, I, wanted, I want a goblin to be a cook, and I want this uh, dude to be, like... A, what is a quartermaster, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I just imagined like an undead elf. Like a, uh, so, I it was just an undead elf. But then, as the sessions went by, I thought, well, who is he? And uh, I figured that he was a vampire. And then I started kind of uh, developing the theme, and I I I thought that he was from another world. And that he has a brotherhood of vampires. And I kind of ripped off the wild hunt from the Witcher. Uh, so this brotherhood of vampires were traveling through multiverse on a ship. Uh, and at what point of the campaign they were fighting with uh, this detective in his pocket dimension prison. 
it, it, it was super exciting. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, they got rescued by this ship, and uh, this ship teleported to their home world. And that was my chance to world build a little bit while just branching off from the Forgotten Realms a little bit. Uh, so, again, I just had this image, images, random images. Uh, I thought about the Skyreach Castle from Dragon Age Inquisition. It's just high on the top of the mountain, surrounded by mist, and you, you can see nothing. You just uh, go out on the balcony, and it's just milky mist and nothing else. Um, and I had this image, and I revolved. I just created stuff revolving around it. And I figured that the, the entire planet was, was wiped out by a interstellar plague of vampirism. So the, there's a vampiric goddess who travels the multiverse and just sucking the life out of worlds. Uh, and again, I saw a picture somewhere of like a, a flying leviathan. Like huge, just fish. <laughs> uh, sounds and... like a uh, sounds like an astral dreadnought, maybe. Yeah. Uh, whatever. <laughs> it was like a, a screenshot from somewhere. I don't know. Uh, and, and I thought I won this thing in my game. Uh, right. So while they were there, they were actually burying their friend. Be, one of the PCs died, I suppose, but because the the guy left the group, uh, whatever. And while there was, but they were running this funeral. Uh, so this goddess with her vampiric uh, marsh, she showed up, and this leviathan just boom, jumped from the uh, hyperspace, like like you know the Star Wars uh, star destroyer, and they. Uh, uh, and it started spitting out like vampires uh, with wings. I don't know, ghouls, whatever. Uh, and so my players uh, were riding, uh, like riding bats, huge riding bats, and they were flying. Uh, they they were fighting with uh, with these uh, guys, uh, and it was like a Star Wars. Some I don't know, what what do you call it? Like a dogfight. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, then they. Uh, they went on this ship of those vampires because those were the good vampires versus the bad vampires, and they fired huge cannons of radiant damage into this leviathan. And it was a, it was a brilliant session. Everybody was thrilled. It was super epic. And then they came back to boring Baldur's Gate, and we finished the campaign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing in Avernus could top that. Like. Yeah, you have like a like a cosmic dogfight like that. That's the closest thing you can get to like a high fantasy battle. Even in Star Wars, almost. That's that's the wonderful thing of just like being able to let player agency just shape an entire story. And as long as the the DM's madness and genius is willing to keep up with whatever natural direction the story goes in, you can really come up with some great stuff. Which is, I'm just I'm still sort of blown away a little bit. I'm just trying to think of. I'll best yeah, to mechanically awesome. rule that, but, no, but, but, but you should never be like tied down by mechanics of just like things flying I, around and blasting. I basically used ghosts of salt marsh uh, like uh, guidings to figure out the air combat by just translating the the uh, the sea combat to that. That's a good way to do it. That's yeah, wild. everybody just did the same thing. Just quartermaster has in their action the guy on. 
so somebody uses a weapon, somebody uses something else, and, and that's but this but it's flying, and everybody's just describing. And I had an experience because I ran uh, Star Wars: The Edge of Empire, the Fantasy Flight yes. games, uh, and it's very abstract. I love this the Fantasy Flight game, uh, so this Genesis RPG system, and their Star Wars because of the how abstract it is, and it's really. Um, the emphasis is just on narrative and storytelling, and nobody cares. They don't have feet for spells or or uh, weapons. They just, they have just ranges. So you're a short ranger, whatever, and uh, your move is just uh, going from short range to medium range, and that's it. So you you don't have because in in D and D, especially if you play with grid, there might be a, a case when your player is like thirty five feet away from a guy, and he's just uh thirty feet, uh, just reaching with his sword. And then that's boring. Like, why? I mean, so I usually say, yeah, you reach him, whatever, because you know, waiting for an entire turn. And that's sort of my philosophy uh, around uh, everything. Because I tried using uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh rules as written, just, you know, on grid. So, okay, you drive the ship there and you. A turn at 45 degrees and um, we just we, we almost fell asleep doing that so I thought okay I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna do this again just describe me what are you doing and I'll tell you what happens and that's it I just I just uh, read I just had the book the rules and I'm th- and I'm thinking well something like this happens just based on these rules I think that this is how it plays out so that's the way to me yeah that makes sense. And I think it all ties back into like, you know, Adam's point earlier of just like being flexible and being yeah. able to adjust as you go along, like world buildings the same way. Um, you know, the perfectionist in me, as you said, you know, Folkard early on, like you want to do things from start to finish. You want to do that checklist that's in the dungeon master's guide of like starting with a settlement and building it out. But yeah. sometimes you just have to like do one thing, whatever that inspiration was and just go for it, like put it out there, build it as you go, you're going to come up with things that you wouldn't have thought on on your own totally. in this collaborative environment. Like that's and why... your players might help you do that. Exactly. They'll help you work out like kinks or like things like the little the little details you wouldn't have thought of that really like will take it to the next level if you just start working on it. And I think this goes for D&D. I think this goes for book writing, you know, just finding a collaborative community to kind of build upon. Um but yeah, I, I mean, I, I have a book that I like kind of bought when I was like first like, okay, I'm going to go write a novel. I'm going to, you know, flesh out my world ahead of time. And it's been really useful to reference. It's called like the only world building workbook you'll ever need. And so it like yeah, literally thinks of, yeah, it literally thinks of like everything you might need from like, you know, political, economical, anything like that. But I have never actually completely filled it out because I'm like, you know what? Today I feel like thinking about this. And so I'll go look at that section and we'll talk about it. But like you just have to be willing to to put it out there and start going and it'll it'll all come together in the best way possible if yeah, you totally. uh if you send me more information about that in a dm i can put it in the description of the video sure so you'll find it down below in the doobie so i think a good way to to accentuate all of that would be to say what's more important five feet of movement or losing losing your players in the moment, mm-hmm. and to everyone's yeah. point, it's you know, or to Folkard's point, yeah, it's like you're you want to do what's going to to keep the pace 
and to keep things exciting. Even if you have to, again, bend that five feet of movement, because reality is, is not as rigid as, okay, I can move this amount of distance in this amount of time, you know, things can change. People can, can be motivated to do great feats of strength. And it is sometimes the strict rules of D&D 5e don't always translate to a user experience that is, what's I mean, they're the not very strict. Yeah. Uh, as strict as you want them to be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I don't understand about some people that you try to follow every single number. Because uh, to me, like, I mean, I don't judge. There's no uh, wrong way to play D&D. But to me, like, I just don't understand why would you play a role-playing game to be super technical about it, like, mechanically. You can just go ahead and play a war game or, like, a tactical game that actually has rules and is competitive or whatever. Because I mean, role playing game it has so much, so so many tools, and you were just limited it down to, to pew pew. Yeah, as as a DM, I can say that my my worst group experiences in D and D have been from rules lawyers, and have been from really, really stringent yeah. rules lawyers to the point where they almost oh, ruin the experience for other people. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> I have had. It says on this like page that, that you can't do this and this in the same turn. Those yeah. people, yeah. Exactly. There's a place no, I mean, for it, but it does. But it should. But yeah, there's a place for it. Because sometimes, sometimes a player would like say, "Well, like, can I do this and then this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." But another player is sitting like, "Are you kidding me? I just, I yeah. just moved ten feet and slipped on the ice, and that's it." And this guy just do does three actions. So sometimes it's good to point out some inaccuracies. Yeah, it's it's a fine line to walk though. Like in that situation, that seems reasonable. But to to have every other every other thing that you say be uh, you know a very aggressive, very angry, almost irritated correction mm. of the rules, it's just kind of like why are you even playing? Right. They're here? kind of there. They're meant to be guidelines. They're there yes. as a tool for you to use if you don't have or like or if you in the moment don't want to have to think up of how to handle that or how to, you know, turn that into a mechanic. But really, it's all about in the moment, like what works for you, what works for mm-hmm. your group. Like it's about that experience. It's not about the books. It's not about the modules. It's not about any of that. It's about like, you know, we're here to have fun and play together and role play together like Build on that. That's really the only thing you need to be worrying about. Yeah. You don't need to worry about all of the written rules that a bunch of people wrote in a room really far away. Right. And I, I also think that in the process of talking about both world building and about modules versus homebrew, I think we've had a lot of advice for new DMs and we're going to continue, I think, throughout this roundtable to just kind of sprinkle in advice for new DMs. I think we can kind of merge that with the rest of the topics. But does anyone, we're making good time, does anyone have anything, any final thoughts on world building 101 or world building advice for new DMs? What's your, what are your big takeaways from this before we take a break? Uh, take a break. I better not start talking because <laughs> I'll, I'll talk for another 40 minutes on this. <laughs> uh, I think the beautiful thing about us as a collaborative storytellers, because that's what 
uh, Dungeons and Dragons is. It's a collaborative storytelling medium. Just be aware that you are building the world with the players around you. It's not just the fact that you're rocking up with a campaign for them to play and they are also contributing to the world yes. example to the world that you're building together. So be open to their suggestions. I can tell you some extreme examples in the fact that um, in the first campaign I ever ran as a dungeon master, so the players walked through a city and saw a grand uh, Colosseum arena sort of building, and they asked, oh, are we going in? Then I looked at what I had prepared, looked at them, looked back at what I had prepared and said, okay, and the first combat encounter was them up against some monsters. And that's a reasonable thing of just allowing them to have that agency to go inside. But then again, you also need to toe the line because sometimes your players might invent Deliveroo in your setting. As some of my players did. They know who they are. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Collaborative storytelling. That's the biggest thing to remember. That it is a it is a collaborative game. It's a collaborative effort. And that the story is only going to be good if it's a collaborative storytelling effort. Uh, there is a moniker that I think we have all heard several, several times. And that if you want to write a book, you should write a book. If you want to create a world, you should create a world. They are two completely different different things. And I want to add, if you want to run a game, run a game. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes, <laughs> because sometimes people, uh, you know, they think, oh, I'm, I'm going to create every NPC in the world, like 5 billion NPCs. I, I have a friend who... Uh, who tries to build his world for two years and he just never starts the game. Like, I'm like, when are we going to play? And he's like, well, I'm not sure. I don't have enough quests. I'm like, what? Quests? What are you talking about? Like, uh, he's like, well, I, uh, what if I'm, what if they're going to go somewhere where I, I mean, he's, he, to be fair, he's a, he's a very new DM. And moving to sort of, uh, gliding to the next uh, topic of uh, advice and, and advice and world building. Um, a sort of, I don't know, just run a game, for God's sake. <laughs> and don't, uh, my top one, number one advice for everybody in the world, not only DMs, is not to be uh, afraid of failing. Like, embrace your fail, fail, failures uh it's good like you you're gonna have a couple of really bad games Do, doesn't matter how much you prepare it's gonna happen just deal with it you're gonna be embarrassed i mean maybe you're lucky and and no but but yeah you're gonna have a couple of disastrous games and if you if the the uh the later you start the, I don't know, the worst, I guess. Because uh, by the time, you could have become a better DM by the point. But you're just delaying all the time. And uh, some DMs don't actually realize that, okay, you're not coping with the world building. But it's not the main thing. You don't have to build the entire world. Just uh, build one single location, not even a town. And... Uh, you. Like the question, what if they go? Well, make them care so much about the thing that they're on right now, so that they don't even want to go. Uh, and so, world building kind of goes hand in hand with uh, other aspects of storytelling and adventure design. Uh, 
it's really important to make a session zero and cr I, I love creating the characters with the players yeah uh and uh when i'm when i'm, when I'm writing my own adventures i always start with characters backgrounds i tell them mm. okay because you know sometimes well what what do my players want to see well if they included something in the background obviously they want to see that right uh like i don't know some seeds you can just read uh the backgrounds read the players stat blocks i mean character sheets what they're proficient with and there you go you'll come up with encounters based on that stuff their inventory everything and you just you don't even have to think it's the all the answers are on character sheets and you know your your players are never going to be bored and or disappointed because they say oh i have this spell i can create water to to turn out to put up the fire this like they have right. created water and it's like how are you gonna even use that like a random situation is can hardly occur when you actually have to create water unless you you see it in your character's sheet and you come up with a proper encounter and i never thought of it for for several years when i started to just you know base my encounters on players uh and um i forget what was it what was no, it's 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 I, really funny that you bring up uh shape or create water because our good friend <laughs> tribal from the netherlands was in our monday home game and uh they had rejoined us after a hiatus and they were going through their their new spells because i just leveled them up to match the party and uh they said they said aaron create or destroy water because they were fighting in, in a troll and they said, can I create water in the troll's throat to waterboard them? <laughs> what? I guess. There was like a big, <laughs> there was like a big uh, lake over there. So we kind of homebrewed something weird in that moment. But I will never look at shape or create water the same way ever again. I am forever scarred by that one player. <laughs> I I will I I could raise you with uh, the po the prospects of enlarge, but uh, we'll, we'll I think we'll save that for possibly for the D and D horror stories oh, section later yes. down the down the road. It's not a horror story like oh my god this is a disaster that's going to ruin the game. This is a okay my players are strange sort of deal, but we'll get to that. Well, eventually. that that has come up several times for anyone that is that is here from our actual play live stream, as you know, and also fans of Rory Brown designs uh rory uh their bard is in a committed relationship with a frost giant so the concept wow. of enlarge enlarge reduce has come up several times <laughs> over the course of the campaign and continues to come up regularly in the in the cast chat as well uh a you can call it a horror story but the the puns and the jokes there are plenty of them and we even made a video of it which is on our youtube channel you can find lewd frost giant puns many of which a, about in large reduce a picture in my head appeared like they're sitting in an opera house yeah <laughs> and suddenly she loses concentration the guy just <laughs> no but the trouble with enlarges stealing no but the trouble with enlarges it only lasts a minute so the the the, <laughs> the lead singer of the opera just starts going into a, a massive solo, and then just all of a sudden, just massively. 
Yeah. But we do have a whole video on uh, on that, so you can go check it out on our YouTube channel. But Liza, final thoughts on world building? I know I, I'm I'm happy that we're bringing it all back together with the one and only world building woman. So take us out <laughs> of world building 101 and world building advice for new DMs. Final thoughts, Liza? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, we've covered so much of it, so many good things. I I really like my my biggest piece of advice is just going to be like start with whatever is in your head. You know, like Folkard said, that one image and run with that in whatever direction it takes you. Whether that's a checklist, whether that's a map, like even if it's like a, I'm just gonna you know put this as the setting for my next one shot and and go from there. That's whatever you need to grease the wheels of your mind to get it going that's what you need to do to get started and from there it's just kind of like an accountability thing of like showing up on time and whether that's a session with your players or you know a, a writing block um you know i think folklord mentioned like maybe just putting some time and being like i'm going to stream and during this time i'm going to work on this like i don't know it goes from there but i think we've all covered a lot of really good points that i would have brought up um by the way, talking to your players, like, what do you guys want to see in the world? Yes. Yeah. What, what themes, what uh, biomes, or what is yep. this called? Yeah. It could be in handy. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all for sharing your thoughts on world building. And we're going to talk about session zero next.